everybody, and welcome back to the Best Marvel Comics Podcast, Episode 5, where I'm going to be going through Spider-Man's Tangled Web number 4, an issue that came out in 2001 and is called Severance Package. But before we go into that, let me remind you to go over to Twitter at WSMarvelComics. The WS does stand for Weird Science. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Then go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can help support us for everything on this feed, but get a ton of shows that are exclusive just to the Patreon. And on the Marvel side of things, some of the things that we are doing right now, me and my man Matt are going through Secret Wars, the original one that is on a podcast. And also I started up just this week a Ultimate Comics, Marvel Ultimate Comics podcast, where I'm going to be going through that entire bit of Ultimate stuff, starting with Ultimate Spider-Man, which I have been doing now. So that is one of the things or two of the things that you can check out over there on the Patreon right now. And a couple other podcasts are pretty similar to the one you're about to listen to right about now. Spider-Man's Tangled Web number 4 has a cover date of September 2001. It's an issue called Severance Package, as I said, written by Greg Rucka, pencils and inks by Eduardo Riso, colors by Steve Bucciolato, letters by Richard Starkings and Wes Abbott. And I'm going to read the solicit to give you an idea of what this is going to be about. What's it like to work for the Kingpin? Even scarier and more dangerous than you might think. Now, this is a Spider-Man comic where Spider-Man appears once in one panel in the shadows on a news report. It's also an issue that shows you that you never want to work for the Kingpin. But if you do, it probably is best served to know what you're getting into. And the main character, Tom Cochran, seems to have known what he was getting into. And because of the idea, it's a mob-type issue, the kingpin, the people who work under him, you know it's always going to end up this way. Things aren't always going to work out, especially in a superhero universe. And unfortunately for this guy, Spider-Man ends up kind of saving the day or at least he ends up stopping something really bad going on but here you see the reverse side of the ramifications the ramifications for spider-man is he ends up going home maybe goes off takes some pictures and thinks that he has stopped a lot of guns from getting out into the city now on the bad guy side of things you usually don't know the reactions, yeah, sometimes what you'll have is Fiskal be in his office and he'll hit the desk and break it in pieces. He's he's huge, right? So you end up, oh my, that really messed up or, or pissed off Fisk. Kim, Kingpin's really mad now. And maybe at this point, I'll get you, Spider-Man, right? Yelling out the window of his penthouse, you know, office. Uh, but this shows you down the line, down the chain of command that it doesn't end there. The smashing of the desk, that's a cool comic book thing, but it doesn't end there. Heads will roll. And unfortunately for this guy, Tom Cochran, this is one of the first things that he's ever messed up. And I put that in quotes, messed up because Spider-Man, the whole superhero thing, that's a little bit bigger than, you know, just, oh, the police found out. Oh, there was a mole. I mean, that sort of thing would happen at all times. but. You see that these gangsters, 
And these bad guys do have to take into account, oh, my God, Spider-Man might just sling himself in here and take all of this down. And if that does happen, you're going to be in trouble. And it starts off with just, again, you're here for a Spider-Man comic. And it starts off with people that we have no idea who they are. A telephone rings inside a house, a house that looks nice. Couple cars in the driveway. I mean, this is at least a bit well to do family. A lady answers the phone, says, It's past 11. What the heck? Come on. This is, we have the baby. We just put the baby down, Brian. Why are you calling? Oh, okay. I'll get him. Hey, Tom, it's Brian. And tell him not to call this late again. So there you go. He answers the phone. Hey, Brian, what's up? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll put on the television. I'm going to see. Turns on the television, and there is a report. That dramatic footage of the arrest made just hours ago in the Bronx, a spokesperson from the police plaza puts the captured weapons in the millions dollar range. When asked about the arrest, the police cited a, quote, concerned citizen, one that our cameras captured here just moments after the arrest. And you see Spider-Man. That's all you're going to see Spider-Man in this. He'll be mentioned a couple of times, not in a good way, but he's there. Okay, Spider-Man took this down, then called the police that classic deal where, hey, you know, there's this anonymous tip, boom, and then waits to see that the police show up, take care of things, and goes home. Well, you end up where already, in a great way, Greg Rucka shows you that this is big-time trouble for Tom, and he knows it. He says, yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, that was my thing. Okay, yeah, it was nice knowing you too, Brian. My best to your family. So he's already saying goodbye to his co-worker, friend Brian, because he knows that he is done. Now, is does that mean that he's going to run away? Does that mean he's going to turn state's evidence that we don't know? We don't even know really what's going on. Just that, okay, this was his thing. This was his racket deal. What's going to happen? And Tom hangs up the phone and his wife, Shelly, comes in and says, what's that thing on the news about you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I put it together for him. And then she says, you've been working for him for 20 years. That's got to count for something. Now, again, we don't even know really Kingpin, except that he's on the cover, right? And he's like, no, no, no. What I did for Mr. Fisk yesterday does not matter. It's about what I did for him today. And today I failed. So we get it. It's Kingpin. There's big trouble. And this starts happening right now. The phone rings again. And that's the call. That's the call of what's going to happen. And the call is you're going to come and see Mr. Fisk. And you have a really good credits page where as the phone is ringing, the wife, Shelly, she's cowering in fear of the phone as well as Tom. That's such a cool thing. This, like I said, this is a comic that is subtle, but not. You end up having almost a horror comic page where a gangster and his wife are recoiling in fear of a phone ringing and then have at the bottom, Stan Lee presents Severance Package in a very noir-esque thing as well for the page. And I do want to step aside a second and say, Eduardo Riso's art in this is really good, but it's not even just that. It's actually the progression of the art and the storytelling of the art that I think is really good. And As you'll hear in a lot of these best of Marvel Comics podcast deal, Greg Rucka really works well 
and lets Eduardo Riso tell the story with him. This isn't a overly narrated deal. This is being told by both the story and the art through the natural dialogue. You could have started this issue with, well, you know what it's like to work with the kingpin? It's a real bit of trouble when things go wrong because that's what happened with Tom Cochran. He ended up messing up big time and Spider-Man doesn't realize that he just sentenced a guy to his death. You don't need that. It's better as it plays out. Like I said, when he's on the phone, I mean Tom, and he goes, yeah, Brian, it was nice to know you too. Okay. That shows you, number one, that, you know, big trouble for them, but it also shows that Brian knows that's what's going on. It goes down the line. Tom knows what's going to happen to him. He knows that he messed up and he will die. Brian knows that as well. So Brian, it's already into his deal. Like if he messes up, he does. these guys know what they're getting into eventually, at least, because you have an older guy here, Tom. He's been with Kingpin. It's set up again through dialogue with Shelly, his wife. You've been working with him for 20 years. This is the first time you messed up. Well, the first time's the last. Uh, it, it's And you'll end up meeting somebody else in this that doesn't understand that yet. We'll never understand it, but we'll get to that in a minute because, yeah, the call comes in. He has to answer it. He answers it, says Tom Cochran. Yes, sir. Thank you. And that was the kingpin calling and saying, I'm sending Richie with a car in about an hour. Get yourself together. I need to talk to you. They know what's going on. Shelly knows what's going on. She's crying. And she starts coming up with ideas. He says, okay, well, Richie's coming in an hour. I'm going to go and take a shower. And she's sitting there. And he's going through his routine. And it shows you, I mean, he's getting ready for his death. It's like he's getting ready to go to a funeral because he is his own. He ends up getting in the shower. He's shaving. At points, you see things pointed out that you almost wonder, is he going to kill himself? Is he going to do this? Because that's the sort of thing that would go through your mind. Okay, what is he going to do when he goes? Is he going to try to kill Kingpin when he gets there? Is he going to run? Is he going to kill himself? He even mentions that all these things ran through his mind. Plus, his wife, Shelly, Kind of says things like that. Why don't you go to the police? Why don't you kill him? Why don't we run? All that. And all Tom keeps saying is, I knew what this was about. I got into this business knowing that it would probably end this way eventually. It's just the idea of trying to make it last as long as you can. You know, the retirement plan and the quote unquote severance package here is not great for gangsters. You live a hot life, right? You live a burning, like a rocket life. And when you fade away at the end, it is probably going to be somebody killing you, shooting. You hope that you're able to go out in a way maybe that is, you know, up to you a bit more. But a lot of times it's a gun to the back of the head, things like that. So he says, no, no, no. And she lays out his best Armani and she starts getting angry at him. Why are you just taking this? 20 years and he sends that loser Richie for you. That's even an insult. Like this Richie guy's an 18 year old kid and that's who is going to be the guy that drives you. I mean, there's a lot of like that protocol deal and things like that. And a lot of things, everybody's seen mob movies and stuff, gangster movies, Goodfellas, Godfather, stuff like that. And, you know, even if you don't like it, you know the idea that there's a lot of things involved with. You know, you don't want to insult that person. You have to respect, and it's a lot about respect. 
sending Richie, she says that that's like the insult of all time to the end. And she says it's not fair. Now, when she says sending that loser, Richie, poor Richie, I mean, getting shade thrown at him like that. But Tom says he has his reasons. And so things are very subtle here and very clever by the end. If you go and read this and then read through it again, you see these little nuances that Greg Ruff is doing that are so good that make this issue so great. So she starts yelling. Not fair. She's crying. She's upset. Again, it's late at night. The kids are in bed. You even said that. And he says, you're going to wake up the kids. She's like, well, why are you worried about that? This is ridiculous. And he says, this is what we all knew was going to happen. We, you know, getting in, this is the deal. He keeps re- you know, repeating that. And then he just says, can you get me a cup of coffee? Right? And she eventually even just yells out, he's going to kill you. You understand this? Like she almost gets the idea that he's just getting dressed for work and doesn't. He's like, yeah, 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 he is. He's going to kill me. Make me a cup of coffee. He's getting dressed real nice. She goes downstairs to make coffee and he goes in and this is where it kind of hits again the idea that spider-man has stopped a big gun running deal that's great right that's great and tom he's not a great guy he's a piece of crap mobster he's a gangster type deal working for wilson fisk and knew he was getting into the shelly as well seems to know all about it so you can't say that you think that she's a great gal oh my god you know but He ends up going into two rooms now and you start to feel bad because he's got two young kids and that's not fair to them. But again, they don't know anything about this. I'm sure, especially the ages they look, they're just happy because they get a lot of toys and their dad seems to be a big wig down at the pretzel factory or something. They they probably make up a lie of what he does. And he goes in to kind of say goodbye, doesn't wake them up. Just kind of shakes their head, looks at it. It's very quick. You don't have a very emotional type scene there, but it is emotional because you know what's happening. And he goes, gets his coffee. And Shelly says, how are the boys? Oh, they're sleeping. And he's just very calm. Says, thanks for making the coffee. Says, you're welcome. And again, she's like, she picks up a big butcher knife and puts it on the table. And he looks at her and says, do you really think I haven't already thought of that? And then she yells, damn you, and throws it. Now, with that, is she putting it there as a weapon? Because you would assume that he would have guns or something that would be better. Or is she putting it there to say, why don't you go kill yourself now and don't give Fisk the pleasure of this? It could be either or. And I just thought, holy crap, like, this is crazy. She throws it, says, damn you. How can you be so calm? You got two boys, me. What are we going to do? What am I going to do? She starts getting a little bit selfish with this what's going to happen to me what's going to go on now with all of this tom kind of knows what might happen to them and it's a horrific thing he knows for a fact that when this sort of thing goes down fisk usually cleans up the other things around and her and the boys might be murdered in the same night they all might be getting killed but in that way of Tom is on the case. He's going to try to solve this. He's going to try at the end to get a quote-unquote severance package and try to do something at least to make Fisk spare his family. And you don't get this right now. You get it by the end and go, oh, my God, that that's crazy because this Tom, piece of crap, right? We've, we've established this. 
he's not a dumb guy. He has lasted this long with Fisk and has never messed up before because he's a smart guy and he knows how to play the system under Fisk. So he ends up saying, yeah, I got to go. And she says, why are you just going like a lamb to a slaughter, almost trying to goad him into doing something, almost saying, why are you being a wimp? Why are you doing this? Trying to insult him into doing something. And she says, you got to do this. And he's like, no, it's the way it is. This is how it works, Shelly. We knew that when I started. She's go, you could run. You can go to the cops. No, 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 I can't. We knew this was the way it would end. And the doorbell rings. An hour has passed. This is the whole deal. And she's like, it can't be yet. Please, not yet. And he's like, no, I have to go. She pleads, please, please stop. Don't, don't. Just please don't go. Now he says where she looks shocked at this, but this is where he's going to start setting his affairs in order. Says, you've got the numbers for the Swiss accounts. Between those and the stocks, that's nearly $10 million. You and the boys will be fine. Just get that money. Just remember, though, that I love you with all my heart. You're the love of my life. I'm going to go. And you actually, I'm actually getting a little choked up here in a weird way because these are gangsters. And even Shelly seems like a piece of crap. And yet I'm getting upset because when he does say, you and the boys will be fine, she says, and you'll be dead. As tears are just running down her face, he gives her a kiss, goes out. And Richie's there to meet him. And Richie's a young guy, says, hey, I'm supposed to drive you, Mr. Cochran. We're going to go off. He's like, that's fine, Richie. And you even have the idea where it's played out where, you know, Tom Cochran is this really fancy, you know, classic mobster. He really is. He's like standing up straight, walking. He's got his Armani suit on and getting it. Where Richie's kind of like this duplicate kid. Hey, we're going to go here. You know, he's kind of running to the car and stuff. He's not as sophisticated as Tom, again, that's why you had Shelly. They're sending Richie, what an insult. Well, they get in the car, and there's, you know, little small talk, you think. And he's like, hey, any trouble getting out here? And Richie's ah, nah, the roads were dead. Yeah, come on, let's go. And, and then Tom says to Richie, hey, did you get that thing, that Chinatown thing fixed? And there's Richie goes, no, no, it didn't work out. But Mr. Fisk said I deserved a second chance. Now, you're sitting there and you're angry. Like, really? A guy who worked for Fisk for 20 years and messed up once and messed up because Spider-Man got involved. We don't know what this Chinatown thing is, but here's this young guy who just messed up right away. And Mr. Fisk said, hey, everybody deserves a second chance, you know, except Tom, and I'm young and I'll learn. And you end up having... Cochran. Oh, how old are you, Richie's? Oh, I'm 18, Mr. Cochran. And yeah, as they're driving through the city, you end up having them say, I remember 18. Boy, I thought I was invincible. And then you end up having Richie go, Hey, I am invincible. I'm going to live forever. As he says this, you see this view that you see that Richie has a gun in his waist deal. So he's driving, he's got a gun. It's almost like you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? Richie actually going to end up killing Cochran? Oh, that's crazy. That's a real insult, right? But you end up having, and you may not even notice it, but again, it's Eduardo Riso playing that deal. He's telling parts of the story and doing a great job of it because then you end up seeing from outside the car looking into the window with the reflection of the Empire State Building, you end up having Cochran go, yeah, sure, Richie, you and Wilson Fisk both when he says, I'm going to live forever. All right, you and you and Wilson Fisk both there, Richie. All right. So they pull up the Fisk's deal, 
and they're going to get out. And Richie says, I'm supposed to see you up. And you end up having Cochran say it won't be necessary. And he reaches from behind and grabs Richie. The the window's going up at this point, you know. And as the window finally gets near the top, you see through the window, through kind of like a, a reflection or a shadow type deal, that Cochran slams Richie's head into the steering wheel, then pulls it back, grabs his gun out of his holster, and shoots him in the head. Shoots him as he's slamming him also into the window. So there's just blood. You see the blood from the inside of the window, but then you see a blam and a big splatter. You don't really see the violence per se. You see more of this shadowy thing. But the progression of Eduardo Riso's art here is just so good. And again, it's telling the story here. Greg Rucka kind of steps back a bit. And let's Eduardo Riso show this horrific scene, but from the shadows, kind of. And it's really well done. And you end up having Tom get out of the car then and put the gun into, like, the back of his waistband. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is it. His plan is to go do this and then kill Kingpin. Oh, my God. Look at this guy. So he ends up going into the lobby. It's late. We already knew that it was getting to midnight. Now it actually, as you go past a clock, you see that it is almost 1230 at night. Nobody is really in the building as he goes and he ends up hitting the intercom at the elevators. Okay, yeah, I'm here. Tom Cochran, Mr. Fisk asked me to come by. So there's at least somebody there, secretary or whatnot says, okay, just a second. Yeah, you're expected. When you get to the top and he says, yeah, yeah, I know the way. And it's kind of a funny deal that you do have a secretary or somebody there because Fisk is a bad guy. He probably has a lot of, you know, not meetings like this, but underhanded backdoor meetings would happen this late. So there is at least somebody there to tell somebody where to go. Okay, you go up here and they go, but he knows the way. He says, gets in the elevator. And again, Eduardo Riso's art, I think that this is a cool play where you end up having pretty much a half page that's just in black. And you have the little square of the elevator as it comes up. There's like four progressions of this elevator going up. Gives you that idea of the elevator coming up towards us. And then ding, you end up and you're at the penthouse, it says. And he comes out. There's a huge door. I mean, Fisk is a big dude. He needs a big door, right? goes up even the knocker on the door is as big as tom's head i mean as big as his head and up pretty high he knocks he's told to enter and he goes in there is fisk and fisk is there behind his desk where you end up having this whole city view you see the empire state building in the back comes in and says and tom says sorry i was late i got the call when i was getting ready for bed and then fisk says you you know why i called you here and Tom says, yes, yes, sir. Brian told me what happened. Then I saw it on the news. They had a picture of Spider-Man. And again, are you led to believe here that since Spider-Man got involved, now this starts getting, you know, a bit more of, and I want to use the line from Tangled Web here, right? I did it. Uh, is that the big problem? Because this says, yeah, unfortunate. And in this too, you end up having... Tom turn his back to Kingpin, which is crazy. I mean, showing you that he knows what's coming and or he's got this crazy plan 
And he says, it was my fault I didn't take him into account. Kingpin smoking a cigar says, you always took responsibility for your actions, Tom. I appreciate that in a man. And then you end up where he's reaching back. Tom's reaching back to grab the gun out of the back. And Kingpin, he's like, you took that from Richie, didn't you? He sees the gun and says, you know, you took that from him. Kingpin is a smart fella, right? Tom then has the gun like up in the air. And says, yes, sir, after what happened with this Chinatown sale. Well, I figured that was why you sent him, not Brian. Again, Tom is an older guy. He has worked for Kingpin all this time. As he kept telling Shelly, this is how it is. I knew this was going to happen. But he also got that subtle deal where Kingpin ended up sending Richie in the car with the idea that he hopes that, you know, wink, wink, Tom will kill Richie for what he did in that Chinatown deal. And Richie did now, or Tom did. Now, with all of that, this is starting the severance package part of this because he says, I shot him in the head. Yeah, I took care of him. I figured that's why you sent him. Kingpin says, responsible as ever. Like he's, he likes this guy, I think. And he knows this guy. And it's a shame of this sort of organization type deal that the Kingpin. You can't let somebody get away with something or people start getting it. But you you are going to end up killing a lot of your good guys. But he says, you know, you're always responsible. Thank you. And that's where you get this. This is where it all comes down to where Tom says, listen, I thought about running. I thought about fighting. I even thought about killing myself. But that's never part of our agreement. Kingpin says, no, it isn't. And then this actually just hits you just out of nowhere. Where what what Tom has been worried about the most is he says, who'd you send to my house? And Kingpin says, you know, Kingpin doesn't mess around. He doesn't lie. He's not O'Reilly. I sent O'Reilly. And that's when Tom says, and in a part where you see pretty much the most vulnerable Tom that we've seen throughout this. Tom has been pretty laid back about this. He says, I knew what we were getting into. Hey, Shelly, this is how it was going to end all along. You know, big, tough facade. Here, he has his glasses off and looks up to Kingpin, almost like puppy dog eyes, and says, I know I let you down tonight, but I've made this as easy as possible for you. I even took care of Richie for you. I've never, ever asked for any favors, but I'm asking you now, please let my family live. He knows them. Kingpin verified. There is a guy waiting outside of Tom Cochran's house to go in and clean up all the stuff and kill his family. And Kingpin doesn't say anything at this point to him. He says, move to the front of the desk. Gives, has Richie's gun, gives it back to Tom and says, you know, move to the front. Tom says, yes, sir. And then he leans over. I mean, huge guy. Says the story will be this When I fired you, you snapped You stole Richie's gun, then killed him Then you broke in here and tried to kill me I defended myself You know, you do have to You can't just kill this guy And let his family live And expect that everything's just going to be Okay, nothing happened There is a chance of all of this That, you know, you don't want to leave Any opportunity for the police to come in And use this to, you know, get you so he has set up this plan right here. Okay, this is how it's going to work. And yeah, defense, all this. You know that Fisk will get away with that. And you end up having Tom say, I understand. And then just a, a snarling 
cigar in mouth, kingpin's mouth, attack. And you end up having Tom just start firing. And then Kingpin grabs him by the neck, says, good, Tom. Don't worry about Shelly and the boys. I'll be responsible, too. And chokes him out, snaps his neck, and throws him. Throws him to the side. And then picks up a phone. It's kind of funny. And you get this, Eduardo Riso again. I mentioned the big door. Because of the idea, he picks up a telephone. This telephone's like a little toy telephone. It's like if you're familiar with the SNL skit with Will Ferrell with the tiny little phone. It's like that he can't even dial with his big fingers. He has to use a pen to hit the thing. And But all this is just done in one pedal that you see. And you're like, this is a huge guy. And he ends up calling O'Reilly and says, hey, O'Reilly says, hello. And he's like, it's me. Do, do I go in? No. And Kingpin says, no, leave the Cochran family alone. They're done. And then you see the end with Tom in a puddle of blood choked out, all that stuff. So it ends up he did get us. And he even said, remember, Shelly, go get the Swiss accounts, the stocks, you'll have 10 million. They're going to be okay. They're not going to have a husband or father. That's the sad part of it. But he's responsible. The big thing about that is that, oh, you always were a responsible guy. He is. He ended up making his own severance package here of, okay, I know I'm going to die. I can't stop that. But he protects his family by doing some things that were subtle hints by Kingpin. Hey, Richie's going to pick you up. Oh, you're going to do this. Comes in right away, tells him this. I mean, he could have come in and just pulled out that gun and, and maybe even killed Kingpin, but that's not the arrangement. That's not the deal. Like he said, really good. I mean, it's such a great issue of seeing that combination of writing and art, seeing a creative team and a fourth issue really hitting well together of, okay, you tell the story here with just the art. And so it reads real quick. You can get through this so quickly. But then I will tell you, if you end up listening to this, read it again. And even if you listen to this and go, you might get the little hints because I did mention them. But it's one of those, if you read it again, you're like, oh, my God, like all that was set up pretty well. I mean, pretty much perfectly as you go through this, seeing what happens if you do mess up under the kingpin. So that is something to Keep in mind, you can't unsee it now if you end up having these guys go down, right? Spider-Man stops somebody or Daredevil said, you know, there's big trouble for somebody. Somebody is going to end up not living very long after that because Kingpin does not allow failure. But yeah, with that, it's so good. Please check that out. I hope you enjoyed this show. And again, if you did, go over to Twitter. At WS Marvel Comics I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning But if you do follow us, we'll follow you back 100% That is a promise I think that that's what most people should do If you want to know what I'm up to I'd like to check out what you're up to as well Not as creepy as it sounds By the way, but then go over to Our Patreon as well Patreon.com slash Weird Science And get a bunch of Marvel Podcasts and DC Comics Podcasts, Indie, Manga Pop culture, comics, cartoons, movies, all this stuff. There's a ton. We usually have about 60-plus exclusive shows each and every month on our Patreon. It's like a, a little bit of a podcasting network right in there for you to enjoy. And each level you go up, you get more more and more shows up until the badass level where you get to pick what we do. So all of that, please check that out. And it's the beginning of the month, so if you do check it out, you will not be charged right away. We don't do that. You will end up being able to check it out for pretty much a free trial for the whole month of October. 
at, or October, November. It's the beginning of November. Holy moly. Uh, but with that, then, if you don't want to pay at all ever, if you're like, eh, it's not for me, you can quit before December and you'll never be charged. So check it out. That's all I ask. And with all of that, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Later.